How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. There was a strange kind of tension on Sunday afternoon. No title on the line, no trophy on the line, but there was something in the air that night. I won't break into an ABBA song, but although it ended a comfortable 2-0 scoreline, Manchester United's win over Leicester City is exactly the reason I never have to buy or use nail clippers. Football does the job for me, and Manchester United are the third best team in the country. Another penalty secures a win against Leicester City. United are the, the penalty champions and ready to defend our crown for another year. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with your hosts, me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate, who you'll hear from in just a second. Jack, a remarkable season for so many reasons, um, but United have finished third. We got there in the end, both in terms of (laughs) finishing the season after almost a year and United getting there in the end, you know, finally making this push from what looked like it might be sixth or seventh for quite a while and eventually... Making it into the Champions League and finishing best of the rest, really after yeah. Liverpool and City, it's a weird feeling. It it really is. There isn't really any other way to to describe this season or our season in in particular. It's been like no other. I think for United in particular, it's been like no other because of how split into two halves it's been before Christmas. Pretty dire since yeah. February. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it, it is strange in that way. There's been there's been lots of ups and downs. There's been some really really good periods. Um, in a similar way to last season as well actually you had that incredible run when Solskjaer first became manager you had the dreariness of Marino before and then a terrible run after uh, as Solskjaer's United kind of collapsed at the back end of the season and and although we've we've ended the season on this quite impressive unbeaten run uh, it did end in, in kind of a United finishing third climbing the table actually but as they climbed above Leicester and above Chelsea the performances got worse, so it, it was strange, um, and I, I it, it was a really partic- was a really strange feeling looking ahead to the game actually on on Sunday morning because I I was really nervous and I was a bit excited actually, but I also knew we weren't actually playing for a trophy and obviously we were playing for something, but it it didn't feel like we were playing for anything. Um, and having grown up in an era where before Sir Alex Ferguson left the club, at least I I don't before he left. I didn't remember a single season where United were not challenging for the title on the final day of the season, um, which is is showing my youth. But it's strange because um, it's not been 
such a weird contrast when we've not had anything to play for because the last few seasons, in fact, since the 2011-12 season, United haven't been competing for anything on the last day of the season. But to finally have something to play for, to be involved in the drama on the final day of the Premier League season, but for it to be third place, well, uh, yeah, it, it's a bit strange. It's weird, but uh, very happy with it. And it's it, it's really good news for, for, for the club and for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. Yeah, it felt strange to be so nervous and worked up before a game when that game wasn't against any of our traditional rivals you know it wasn't against Arsenal Liverpool City Chelsea Leeds as we'll have next season nor was it playing for a trophy yeah it, I think it's a reflection of of where we are as yeah. a club that at the moment this is such a big moment this was such a big game and it was so important for us but we all know that where we are right now is not where we want yeah. to be forever you know and I think actually to be fair Solskjaer and the players struck the right tone in that regard after the game you know there was obviously and, and rightly so an outpouring of relief of, of happiness at achieving third place which don't get me wrong, it is no small achievement. But it was also they they struck the right balance of you know talking about the fact that it was a good achievement, but recognizing that at a club like Man- Manchester United, this is the bare minimum, you know. And and although it is a good achievement this season, yeah, this isn't where we want to be forever, and this needs to just be the start of a building block. And I actually thought credit to the players and to Solskjaer for yeah. fully recognizing that and always sort of bringing it back to that point that this is just the start and it has to be the minimum yeah. requirement. And it's it's third place was the best that United could get this season. And I think people would have had happily said that at the start. They yeah. would have happily said that in the middle and they would have happily said it going into the final day. Third place was was the very best that Manchester United could finish. And 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 you're right, it's a it's a sign of the times. At the same time, from a from a broader picture over looking over the decade, third place should be the minimum um in, in any given season. Uh so United should be finishing in the top three every year and, and should be aiming to finish in first every year. Um, and, and this year, we I don't think we, we really were aiming to finish in first because that would have been unrealistic and, and that does have to change. But it is a great building point. As you say, nothing really to celebrate in, in, in the bigger picture. And, and you're right, the, the players and, and the coaching staff handled it perfectly. They, they got the right tone uh, of being happy but not really celebrating. You didn't see any, any dressing room celebrations as we sometimes saw with Arsenal when they finished in the top four. Solskjaer said he's proud, but nothing more. It's been handled in the right way, and I think that kind of sums up the one of the one of the big changes that Solskjaer has instilled at United is that we can talk about his his weaknesses as a manager, and and we will do later because uh, it's an interesting point to look back. But one of the great things he he's managed to do is he's very quickly learnt um, what the right thing is to say, and I think he kind of knew that when he came into the job, but even more so in the last I think four or five months. He he is saying exactly the right things. He is he is uh, kind of giving the right mentality to his players, and that's one of the things that is is a massive change from him uh, compared to Mourinho, Van Gaal, and, and, and David Moyes. Um, and and yeah, it, it's not on the football pitch, but it does have an effect on on the club as a whole. Yeah, of course it does. Because even even during our spells of bad form earlier this season. There never looked to be, you know, a revolt or anything from the players. The team looked relatively unified, if unhappy, you know, with the results. But there never seemed to be any players that were particularly unhappy, as we saw with the likes of Pogba, Martial, under under Mourinho. We we never really saw anything like that. And I think it comes down to one. I don't think Solskjaer is as rigid as both Mourinho and Van Gaal before him were. 
Yeah. I also think he, he does have very good man, man management skills and he's very good at striking the right balance and the right tone in conversations both with players and in the media. Yeah. And although that doesn't have any impact necessarily on how he manages United during games, I think it does help to, one, get the fans on side and, two, help the relationships between him and, and groups of players. Yeah. well, the, the, it, it has to be a part of being a manager. Yeah, and, and the mood at United is, is a really positive one. And I think we... There are a lot of questions still to be asked about the, the the lack of sporting director or director of football, and or not necessarily just the lack of it, but the constant uh, production of these reports that one will be appointed every summer and, and then one isn't appointed, which becomes more even more frustrating than the actual lack of having one. And there are questions to be asked of of United's recruitment, over the structure, over various things over some elements of Solskjaer's management but the mood is very positive and there is this feeling that United if they want to and that is going to be the big question can build upon this and and, and do something good with this squad uh, which I'm I'm not sure we've had since um, the end of Mourinho's first season United didn't take the opportunity then they they have to now um, before we talk more about some some bigger picture stuff the Leicester game itself very very tense um yeah, incredibly tense and and not a nice game to watch. And and even at the final whistle, um, when when we secured third place with a, a Jesse Lingard late goal, even then it, it really was a sense of relief rather than than celebration or, or happiness. And for a good half hour, hour after the game, I could feel my body kind of letting go of all of this ridiculous amount of tension for what ultimately was a, a, a place higher in the Premier League. Um, I think the the game showed two weaknesses of, of Solskjaer's. Um, one was the lack of rotation in previous games meant we did look very, very tired as we have in, in another couple of games. Absolutely knackered, particularly Bruno Fernandes. And the other was late substitutions. It, Fernandes was having a, a really poor game. His worst in the United shirt, I think. Could easily have been taken off at 50 or 55 minutes. You could have shifted Pogba forward um, and, and and put Matomane on to, to play behind Pogba and give Pogba that kind of uh, the creative... Um, freedom to to do what he like and and take the Bruno role. United didn't. Eventually made some subs and and Bruno looked better after he scored, but was having a really poor game. And I think Solskjaer often leaves it a little too late with his substitutions. And and this was another one of those cases. On on the other hand, United won two 0 Yeah, and, and I mean we've said this so many times before as well about Solskjaer, not just during this good run of form, but also before then that probably the weakest part of his management is his ability to to change matches during the game. I don't think he's particularly good at changing the system during the game. I don't think he's particularly good at you know making changes when they need to happen. I think things often are left too late. Um, I think in in terms of not rotating, which again we you know, we've talked about a lot over the last few weeks. The one good thing that I noticed after the Leicester game was at least that Solskjaer addressed and seemed very aware of how much the lack of rotation had hurt us recently. You know, he he basically said that you know because of the we hadn't rotated the the entire team was knackered and and basically ruined the, the performances we've had in the last few weeks because everyone was so tired and sort of dead on their feet. Yeah. And to me, it sounded like, well, two things. One, sort of him being self-aware and kind of realising his own shortcomings. Yeah. But two, and I think more significantly, it seemed like an admission that he implicitly doesn't trust the the players that we have on the bench that would have come in to replace them. Because he's clearly known that, that not rotating 
was hurting us for the last few weeks mm. and just didn't have faith in the replacements to, to bring in and you know be able to win us games. And the only game where he felt like he could was the Chelsea game where, although it was a massive, massively important match, it at least didn't wouldn't have had any impact on the rest of the, the games we had coming up if we were to lose it. And I think that goes a long way to showing what he feels that we need and where he feels that we're so, sort of lacking at the moment. But it is something that he still needs to work on because even if we do sign five or six players this summer that improve our depth, there's no guarantee that he's going to have all of them available at one point, at one time. Yeah. Whether it's through injuries, suspensions, whatever, there will be times when he has to make do with subpar options. And he needs, I think one of the things he needs to improve on as a manager is sort of making do with those situations, you know, and making sure that he does have plan B, plan C to turn to if and when we need it and find a way of slotting in those lesser quality players into an 11 if and when they need to be put in. Yeah, we, we're we going to give Solskjaer kind of a rating out of 10 for his his management in the, in the Premier League this season um, after a bit more talk about the game. But uh, another point is that it does feel with Solskjaer that I'm, I've, I've been really impressed with so much of what he's done. I, I, re- I really like him, um, unsurprisingly, given he's a, a club legend and he's doing well as a manager. Um, and to finish third is is a, a good achievement. And as I said, it, it's the best United could have expected uh, this this year. But it does feel like he's a he's a manager who, if he's to do well, and I think he he is going to do well, it will be. Uh, it's dependent on him having a pretty good squad and uh, or or probably a very good squad. If he's going to win the title for United, it's going to be dependent on him having the best squad in the league. Whereas, which which might sound obvious, but Sir Alex Ferguson and and this is an unfair comparison with the greatest manager of all time. But Vergy often won the league without the best team in the league, and uh, you could see. I, th- I think it's it's difficult because. Well, it's difficult to, to compare to Guardiola and Klopp because actually they they probably have had the two best teams in the league when they've won it. Although you could say City might may have had a better team this year um, and Klopp still won it. So it, it's perhaps it's a stupid thing to say. But for me, Solskjaer feels like he, he's not going to get the... the um, he's not going to pull miracles with some kind of weak squad. If he's going to be successful, he's going to need a, a very good squad to do it, um, which is, is fair enough. But I think it tells you... Um, where he ranks on the on the managerial uh, list. Yeah, I think you'd have to say he's he's a good manager, but I don't think I don't think he's shown us anything. And this is where it's tough because we obviously still haven't seen a ton of Solskjaer as a manager. But I don't think he's shown us that much yet that suggests that he can wring out every last yeah. drop of potential in a squad. You know, I like, as you said, I don't know if he's possible to say have the eighth best squad in the league and finish third yeah but exactly if he has the third best team in the league i think he's very capable of finishing third yeah exactly that's that you've probably you've put it more more succinctly than than i could there um great to see jesse lingard score and some people don't like lingard to be honest i I don't really care because he's a some people think he's a hateable figure i think he's a, a likable figure. He's a, a kid born in Warrington, lifelong Manchester United fan, had a great spell at, at, at the very top of his game playing for United where he did really well. He was one of United's best players and has had a, a really tough time and, and it was really nice to see him score, celebrate. Um, and, and you could see the the delight on, on Solskjaer, McKenna, Carrick's face, his teammates. Um, really nice moment. Perhaps his last shirt, last act in a United shirt and what deep that's a pretty decent way to go out if so yeah um you know scoring the goal that 
confirmed yeah. and return to the Champions League. Listen, I, I, I've, I've, I can't say Jesse Lingard is my favourite player. He can be and has been incredibly frustrating at times but the one thing you can't ever criticize him for is the way that he works for United and the fact that he's always put the team above himself and I think this was just rewards for that and for what has been really yeah. a very good service to the club you know he's he was never expected to be an amazing player but I think he's exceeded all of our expectations during the great run of, of form that he had under under Mourinho and as you said he, he's never yeah. said a bad word about the club he's never done anything to you know harm the club in any way he continued to work and although he may not have produced yeah the weight of goals and assists that we would want he's been a very good servant to the club I I'm expecting him to to move on. Yeah, you think so? But as I said, if that does turn out turn out to be his last moment for Manchester United, I guess he still could play in the Europa. Seems unlikely. Actually. It wouldn't surprise me to see him play against. I, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I could see him playing against Lask maybe because I'm assuming Sol- Solskjaer will rest everyone yeah. there. But after yeah. that, yeah, that could be his last act in the United shirt, and it's a pretty good yeah. Way to end. Uh, yeah, he could play against Lask. That might be his last game. But yeah, you'd, you'd expect him to leave, and it's a. Uh, yeah, it's a str- it's it's an interesting one as well because he said while he was playing he had other things on his mind and I think that's uh, something you c- you kind of expect footballers to be so focused on the game that they can't think of anything else and the reality is that yes I kind of that that, that should be the case but when you've got serious problems going on at home which footballers tend not to have but quite a few of them do because they they often have have family problems or, or problems at home as, as Jesse Lingard did. It's it's unsurprising that there comes kind of a a lull in the game and, and your mind drifts and 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 he said that was affecting him on the pitch. So it is an interesting one. The the final thing I will say on the Leicester game in particular before we talk about the the season in general. Um, United won a, a big game. Now we've won big games. We've we've beaten City three times this season. We've beaten Chelsea in in, in the cup, not recently, but um, last season we've beaten Chelsea in the league. Um, they, we, we've won a lot of big games. On the other hand, we lost two semi finals this season, and it's worth remembering that. And this was a game that we had to win, and we did it. Um, unlike in those semi finals, and I think that's a, a really important step and, and something that Solskjaer mentioned as well. Let's move on to to rate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a manager out of ten for the Premier League season. I'll let you go first, Jack. Yeah, I think it, it's difficult in a way to actually give him a rating for the entire season because it's been so different and so wildly different and in various portions of the season I think my overall rating would be a six out of ten and I I'd say the reason why is because I think up until the end of January up until we lost to Burnley actually our last defeat in the Premier League which I think was it the 22nd of January yeah that's right something like that we lost to Burnley at home I'd give him a four out of ten maybe even a three honestly it was I think if you go back then, it, everything was was pretty dire, you know. Yeah. All right, sure. I think we we climbed to fifth at that point, but you know we looked a long, long way off. Not just Liverpool and City, but even where we are now. Yeah. Since the end of Jan- January, I, I'd probably give him an eight out of ten. Um, and that actually might still seem a little bit low considering how good our results have been. I think the reason why is because. I still think there are some major sort of issues that have still cropped up, as we've said. You know, the substitutions not happening quickly enough, the lack of rotation. But I think eight out of ten is is fair, and I think he deserves that praise because okay, sure, we've signed Bruno Fernandez, but he has also found a formula that works very, very well for us. Yeah. And so I think I think it overall averages to a six. But I will say, if you ask me right now, how do I feel about Solskjaer? I feel better about him than a six out of ten yeah, yeah. at the moment and going forward. 
because of what we've seen recently. Yeah. But I think if I'm talking about the entire season, a six feels about right as sort of a, an average of the two halves. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I noted down seven out of ten for the season. I think it's yeah up to, up to January twenty second. You're thinking he's not, he's not going to last a month here. He, he's going to be out by the end of January. And I remember coming away from Old Trafford on on uh, a rainy night when we'd been beaten by a, a Chris Wood set piece against Burnley, something which I was never in doubt would happen. Um, and yeah, it, it did feel like it wasn't going to work. And that was that was quite sad because at, I mean, forgetting the last six months, going back to that game, at that point, it felt like we'd had some great moments under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and it, it felt like it, it might work. Now, at, at this moment, it does feel like it might work and I I, I hold out some great hope that he, he will lift the trophy as Manchester United manager and that will be an incredible feeling. But back in January, you thought, yeah, I think the chance has gone and, and, and he pulled it around. And I guess the positives of, of his management this season, have, uh, I've got four noted down here. The first would be he signed the right players. He signed the right players in summer um, and he signed the right players in, in January, not yeah. just Bruno Fernandes, but also the decision to bring in Odi Nogalo, something which I thought at the time was, I thought it was a good signing, but I was kind of, I, it was one of those where you felt, well, we've got Mason Greenwood, why are you doing that? But actually, uh, that that would have been naive to to think that. And, and Igala was a good signing and he's he's handled him perfectly as well. Um, and it was another player with the the right character. And that's that's what Solskjaer has been so good at finding is making sure these are the, are the right characters for the team. And it, it sounds cliched. It sounds like, why does that matter on the football pitch? But it, it does. The other positives... He, well, it matters more than on. ever as we go into this summer too. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 now building on a squad which has the the right mentality, and I think it, it's also an interesting one. Is Paul Pogba still at the club, and Solskjaer has managed that situation perfectly. And and yeah. this is one of the, the the great positives is the Alexis Sanchez situation kind of just just kind of stabilised. He's he's not the right fit for United. He's not going to play for the club anymore. But no bad word said about him. Paul Pogba, the, the same is true. At one point, it seemed like he was certain to leave this summer. Obviously, that's not happened. He's come back in after the restart. Has looked very good. Solskjaer said all the right things. Pogba's not said anything wrong. He said all the right things as well. Um, that there, there's lots of situations like this when when Rashford was injured, when Greenwood has been coming through. Solskjaer said the right things, but not rushed him into it. And these these situations have all added up to to mean that, yeah, something you said, his man management has been absolutely spot on and his management of the, the club's status has been spot on as well. And that, that is one of the big positives because it's it's re-stabilised a club that was that was quite dramatically falling in in every kind of ranking in terms of economics, the the position in the league, the the status it held with fans, the number of fans supporting Manchester United, all of this was falling, and I think Solskjaer has stabilised that. I think Solskjaer has done a very good job at managing potentially dangerous situations with individual players, and we we spoke earlier about how good his man management has been. I, I genuinely do think that's one of his best, you know, assets as a manager is that he has been able to you know, get Paul Pogba on side. And don't get me wrong, he's been lucky in that lockdown has kind of reset some of the, the momentum and the, the bad momentum yeah. that we had, you know, coming into sort of January, February. And it's also a given Pogba time to come back because I think potentially if Pogba, even if we'd have done very well until the end of the season, if Pogba hadn't have come back and played again, having been injured, as he probably would have been until the end of the season, had 
it had been a normal season, you know, maybe Pogba wouldn't have had the chance to become this sort of rejuvenated figure that he seems to be yeah. at the moment. But that takes some credit from Solskjaer. And I, th- I think that is, it is a very, very interesting and good point about being a Manchester United manager because you are never to be going to have good players, very good players with probably big egos and managing those is difficult. And it's something that, something that Solskjaer seems to be able to navigate quite well. Yeah, I think that's one of one of his, his main uh, qualities as a United manager. Now, the, the negatives of the season, um, it, it, squad rotation has, has been poor, especially at the back end of the season. And I think at, at some other points um, in, in, in December and January as well. And I think that's... He's he's been let down by the board in a way there because Bruno Fernandes should have been signed in summer. I actually don't think United were ever very close to signing him in summer. From everything I've read, it it doesn't seem like United were like just not paying the money. It seems like it, things really ramped up in January when Solskjaer went to watch him at the start of month. So I I think that's not as clear cut as it may be, but. United should have signed Bruno Fernandes or someone else in summer as well as their other signings. Three signings was was never going to be enough. Um, and he, he's not been backed in terms of getting some some squad players in as well. And I think the same will probably happen this summer. So it's, it's not all his fault that squad rotation hasn't been the best, but he could have could have managed it better. Um, he's been found out in, in two semi-finals in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final against City and, and the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea as well. And probably the final one is that the, the the team when you take out one piece of the jigsaw when you take out Bruno Fernandes it it looks worse when you take out Paul Pogba United are in trouble when you take out Maguire United in trouble and and it's no surprise that the team looks worse when you take out your best players that's that's that again this is a, a really obvious thing but it does feel like you need United need to make themselves uh, better able to cope with one of their star players falling out injured suspended or rested yeah it. It's something that Solskjaer really does need to improve on, as I said, because even if, say, I guess take take the the, the forwards as an example, I can totally understand why Solskjaer didn't want to drop any of Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood for potentially Dan James, maybe Igalo, and I mean, who who even would come in if we dropped all three of them at one time? I don't even know. Yeah. Um. I mean, and that's part of the issue. <laughs> maybe one matter, I guess. Yeah. Maybe and put him out on the right. Anyway. But even going into next season, let's say we sign Jadon Sancho and let's say we sign another backup sort of winger slash striker as well to come in. You know, what what then happens if three or four of them get injured or are suspended at one time? I know that's a worst case scenario, but it happens. You know, I can remember back when Ferguson was manager when, you know, we were fielding back fours of Evra at centre back alongside Carrick with Fletcher right back. You know, (laughs) those kind of situations do happen sometimes and you have to deal with them. And that is, I think, where Solskjaer still needs to develop as a manager because yeah. I totally understand his hesitation to rotate recently, especially because we had just had three months off and because the games were all so important. Yeah. I can see why he probably thought, you know what, Let's just get through these next few games, even if we're tired. A tired Bruno Fernandes is probably better than a fresh Jesse Lingard or a fresh one. Yeah, and, 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 and to be fair to him, United have finished third, so it, it has paid exactly. off. It's not like those players have got injured. It's not like we've we've lost those games. He has done what he set out to do. So uh, I'm standing here complaining about the, the lack of squad rotation, but to be fair, United now have a, a break of about two weeks because the last game is is basically a write-off and we've qualified for the Champions League. So he, he has done it, to be fair. Um, I think also also when you, when you were saying just there, 
I've, I've realized United have no utility players anymore. Daley Blind was probably the last one. Um, maybe Phil Jones if if he was fit, someone who could play. Blind could play centre back, left back, and midfield. Jones, in in a former era, could play right back, centre back, and midfield. <laughs> and and under Fergie, you had you had people like uh, Fletcher, O'Shea, Brown could all change their positions. And to be fair, the, the same was true for. Gigs, gigs could play on the left or or in, or in the middle, um, and and United don't. Or in a way, this is good because Solskjaer have, has very clearly chosen his, his best eleven, and and we know the best positions of our best players now, and that that's great. On the other hand, it means when we want to rotate, it's quite hard to do so. And fullbacks probably the the biggest area where United can kind of swap over when they need to. But nowhere else it's possible to to do that. There aren't any utility players in in the team at the moment, and that is that's a, I I hadn't actually kind of realised that before. But yeah, it's the Fossey, kind of player United are going to have to I, sign. I guess Fossey Mensa would probably be the closest that we have to a utility, yeah. to a utility player, but he obviously has not played much at all in the last couple of years, and probably isn't good enough to be a utility player. But yeah. we've definitely seen him play. Yeah, right yeah. back, left back, centre back. I think he's even played in midfield a couple of times as well. Um, and he's played he, played left back as well. Yeah, the problem is he just doesn't really get into the team very often. Yeah, but yeah, United needs he 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 could be the one to be fair. And it's interesting that Solskjaer still stuck stuck faith in him, um, and that that shows he must yeah. be doing something right. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next season. The same goes facts with Twente as well. Um, right, we've we've got a bit more to talk about before we end, so I'm going to move on from that. But where do we go from here? Um, is a an interesting question because it it does feel like there are. We've said all these factors about lack of squad rotation, about the board not supporting Solskjaer necessarily, um, but there are some other factors as well that mean United could kind of revert back to to type next season and and fall from third and go back to fighting for fifth or sixth and 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 the penalties one is probably the most obvious and and look I feel like I feel like most of the penalty decisions were correct and United have been kind of harshly condemned for winning so many penalties in the media. Um, it's not our fault that the referees make the wrong decisions for other teams um, or that we get fouled so much. 14 of them in a season and, and no one has ever got so many. Now, I, th- I think these were the correct decisions, but what happens next season when, say, we get four or five less or four or five fewer penalties and then suddenly we're facing fewer points? I think I feel like there's there's quite a few things like this and especially when we've got a, a much busier schedule next season because of the season being cramped in. So... I think there's there's these factors that there's still some hesitancy within me that thinks actually we could drop down again next season. Um, even though I'm I'm actually, I'm I'm normally very positive about looking at this United team, and I am hopeful about it. Oh, and we've seen this before. You know, we've seen Manchester United make progress. You just have to go back three or four years. You know, we were finishing second under Mourinho, having just won twenty five games, and which, by the way, is I think what eight or yeah. nine more than we've won this season, despite how well we finished. So, you know, significantly better yeah. than than this season, and yet the next year it was back to sort of dreadful, dire football. And that, let's not forget as well that that wasn't as if we finished second and then did nothing. I think we we spent upwards of one hundred and fifty million pounds after we finished second in the league, and yet we still went backwards. So it is tough, and it finishing third and having this good end to the season is certainly no guarantee at all that next season will continue to improve. Having said that, I think there are some positive signs for what we may do in the coming months and into next season. I think number one, and probably the biggest thing, as we said earlier, 
I have much more faith in the current setup, despite the fact that there are still many incompetent figures on the board of directors. I have much more faith in Solskjaer and this coaching staff to look at, identify and bring in the right players. Yeah. I think, honestly, out of everything that Solskjaer has done as a manager, probably even more so than his man management, I think you cannot fault his signings at all. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay Harry Maguire has made a few mistakes, but I, I actually think he has, over the course of a whole season, I think he's become... No, yeah, uh, they, they've all been very good signings, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think even Dan James has got a lot of criticism recently. Is It was a risk-free signing for, what, £20 million? And it, for a 21-year-old, I don't think it's done yeah. badly at all. And so I think yeah. we have every reason to believe that we will make some more good signings young players who are hungry to be at United and aren't, won't just, aren't yeah. just using us as an expensive payday. And so I think that is probably the thing that gives me the most confidence. But we are on a knife edge, and we've said this before, but we are on a knife edge because I genuinely think, probably even more so than that season when we finished second under Mourinho, I feel like this could genuinely be the start of a very good Manchester United team because I think primarily because of the age. But it could so easily go the yeah. other way as well because a few injuries here and there you think we get three three injuries next season to Bruno Fernandes, Anthony Martial and Harry Maguire and all yeah. of a sudden we're probably an even worse team than we were at the start of the season. Well also you've, you've got this with, with the fact that this is a young United team you're looking at if, if this team continues to grow you've got a very good team. On the other hand, if if we have another dud season, you're thinking is is Marcus Rashford going to be tempted by Barcelona? Is Anthony Martial going to be tempted by exactly. Barcelona or PSG or Real Madrid? Now, maybe these clubs won't want them at that point, but there is certainly the the possibility that United's best players could could leave if they have another two four seasons, or if United play in the Champions League next year, but not again um, the the year after. So it's it's, it's an interesting one, yeah. But um, I think I agree that that Solskjaer is is better suited to managing with the weaknesses of the United board than Mourinho or Van Gaal. And I think he, he makes up for a lot yeah. of their, their problems in the way that he, he understands the club. He's got so much experience of being at Manchester United that he knows, he knows what should work at the club and, and he's implementing that to the best of, of his abilities, even if he is being held back a bit by the board. Um, right, let's talk about player of the season. Um, it, it has to be Bruno Fernandes, I think. Um, but I think it's it's it's, it's strange because uh, first we'll talk about Bruno Fernandes, and then we'll mention kind of the people who who should be deserved to mention, having had good half seasons or good seasons. Um, I, this, this was an interesting point that my dad actually raised the other day, um, comparing it to when he was a kid watching the the post Busby era. You were saying that Solskjaer obviously gets what the club is about and, and what it needs, but it almost felt like it needed someone from the outside, someone without any fear without being scared that they they weren't as good as the, the shadows in the corridor to come in and tell that to the rest of the team, to show that to the rest of the team. And that's what Bruno Fernandes has done. He's come in with the, the confidence, with with no fear, and, and, and transferred that to the rest of the team and changed United's season completely. And he has been the catalyst for what has been a, a, a massive, like massive fundamental change at, at Manchester United. I think it, it's hard to think of another player that has made such a big difference to a club immediately after coming in um, yeah and I think uh, full credit to Fernandez for what he's done and I think we've talked about it before it's not just his quality on the ball which to be fair in the last few <laughs> yeah. weeks has been lacking but it's, it's the intensity it's the the non-stop tempo in his game even when he doesn't have the ball everything he does is, is at such a high speed such a high intensity and that rubs yeah. off on everyone else around him I think that's why we've seen so many people, other players improve around him. I think in, in terms of, of other players, 
if you'd have asked me before lockdown, well, I think it's actually it'd go back a bit before that. If you'd have asked me in, at the start of January, I would have yeah, said Marcus yeah, yeah. Ashford without any hesitation. Then he obviously got injured, and maybe by the time lockdown came around, maybe you'd be switching more towards Martial. Well, who had started to play well and has continued down. I think he's I think, probably been the best forward. Yeah, I think Martial's been been really good. I think he's had a an underrated whole. I think he's been really rated since we restarted. But I think before lockdown, he was actually. Uh, doing a, a really good job as well. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the honourable mentions yeah. go to quite a few people. I think Martial and Rashford, certainly. Rashford was was carrying United before his, his back injury in January. Um, but also to, to Wan-Bissaka, who was definitely in with a mention before lockdown started, and also to, to Fred, who who had a great season and has been, he's not been frozen out, wouldn't it? Yeah. but he, he, he has did. just not been played. And it, it, it's been slightly unfair, actually, because you feel like he could have been given the, 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 the Matic job. He could have been tried in that role uh, behind Pobre and Fernandes in one of the games post-lockdown, and, and he hasn't. And I, I do hope he gets a chance next season because... He does deserve a, at least a chance to show he's good enough. I think he, he does deserve a chance. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we we've seen that he can do it and he can be a an effective player for us. I don't think he's ever going to set the world alight, and I don't think he can do all the things on a football pitch that someone yeah. like Paul Pogba can. But I think as someone who can come in and fulfil a role when we need him to, he's proven himself. He's proven that he can do it, and he does deserve an honourable mention because, to be fair, despite the fact that our results weren't very good. He really was holding our team together for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Tomine, he really was. Yeah. I think Wan Bissaka is another one for the honourable mentions. I think he's his limitations have shown up a lot recently. I think, but overall, I th- he's added a lot to us defensively. I don't think there's any. I think a massive amount that we've had our best. Yeah, because I you, mean, you, I can't. I don't know the figure off the top of my head, but is it 25 goals we've conceded this season? Yeah, it's. it's I think. Something I think. Like I think. That. I've seen some kind of stat about the second best defense in Europe. I've, I haven't actually checked that myself, so don't go spouting off to your mates if you're listening to this before you've checked it. But um, I've seen that <laughs> floating around on on uh, on Twitter, and yeah, I think Wambasaka has shown some of his weaknesses, but. I think the the really important thing is that defensively he has been very good apart from in that game against Chelsea in the in the cup semi-final. And and it's not just that that helps but the problem for good United centre backs for so for so long is that they've had a rubbish midfield in front of them and then a rubbish left back and a rubbish right yeah. back. And that's just meant that their 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 challenge has been so much harder. Whereas you look at the the great the great back lines don't just need good centre backs, they need good defensive right backs and left backs who can stop the crosses getting in, who can uh, close down the space, who can track their runner, um, who can prevent the attacks from even ever getting to the centre backs. And that's what Wan Bissaka has done. And I think that's perhaps a, an underrated impact on he's it's not just that he's been great at tackling, it's that he's made the job easier for Maguire and Lindelof. And um just on on Fred, we need to wrap up in a second, but I was going to ask surprise player of the season and I've realised it, it probably would be Fred because we wrote him off before the start of the season, I think most people. Yeah, I mean, it probably would be Fred. I don't think there's anyone else that you can really say you expected less from that gave us so yeah. much. I'm trying to think about anyone else. I don't um, think there is anyone because Green, Greenwood was expected I mean, to, to come in and, and do well. Dan James at the start of the season was, was surprisingly good but tailed off. Wan-Bissaka were expected to be good. Maguire the same. McTominay, I think we were expected expecting to have a, a solid season, which is exactly what he's had. And I think everyone's kind of been to expectations and, and Fred was was a surprise. Yeah, the, the only other one I could think of was, was Matic in that sort of the, the latter half of the season when he did start to yeah. improve. But I think he was so bad at the start yeah, of the that, season. Yeah, that's, de- that's definitely that, true. 
I think that may, maybe disqualifies him. Yeah, well, he was another one that in December we thought he was finished. And I think, I've, I can't remember what the game he started was in. It was mid or late December. Uh, it might have been just after Christmas or I think it might have been the 28th game or the 29th game um, after the Boxing Day one. And he started that and we thought, oh, here we go again. He's, he's not good enough. Why is he playing? And then he just absolutely bossed it for two, three months straight. And I think he has been overplayed now. Yeah. And, and in the last two games, has been losing the ball too much. But yeah, yeah, you're right. He's another one. Um, just before we uh, wrap up, no big news on on the academy or, or loan front this week. Uh, the only thing I note is that 15-year-old defender, French defender I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Willy Camboala. Well, his club, Sochaux, are making every effort to keep him there and intend to offer him a professional contract or pre-contract for when he turns 17. Um, and they're going to offer that to him in the next couple of weeks. So they're, they're trying to keep him, but United are definitely interested. And I, I said we'd keep you updated and, and we will on any other transfer news for the academy this summer. And the same goes for the women's team. There'll be an update on the women's team next week. Jack, we should wrap things up there, but we've got um, coming up, uh, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to have an episode on on what United is doing in the transfer market. We're going to have an episode on Mason Greenwood and we're going to have an episode after the LASK game in the Europa League. No real point previewing that, we we felt. So uh, we'll, we'll talk to you after that and, and preview the Europa League. Yeah, it should be good. I'm, I'm excited to see what the, the rest of the season holds. You know, the Europa League isn't exactly the most glamorous competition or the most desirable, but I really want to win it. I mean... You know, we we had we we've seen how great a moment it yeah. provided when we won it under Mourinho a few years ago, and as you said, I think this team, for all their efforts recently, and Solskjaer deserve a trophy and deserve some kind of recognition for what they've done in the it's back the, end of the um, season. It's the minimum. A trophy season is 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 yeah. the minimum. Any 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 season without a trophy, you always look back on and think, ah, oh, even if it even if it was a good season where you finished second or third, you always look back on and think. Mm. That wasn't that wasn't that good. Um, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at at UTD Tates T A I T, and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson sixty four, and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's PLD at the end there. Have a great week. Um, enjoy having no more Premier League football thrusted into your face by Sky Sports. Um, enjoy whatever the weather is where you are, um, and we'll be back very soon with a couple more episodes before the Europa League returns. Goodbye. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.